Hello, my darling, and welcome to our story time. Today we're reading The Other Gods by H.P. Lovecraft. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. You can also become a supporter of mine on Anchor. All links can be found in the description below. And now, on to our story time. Atop the tallest of Earth's peaks dwell the gods of Earth, and suffer no man to tell that he hath looked upon them. Lesser peaks once inhabited, but ever the men from the plains would scale the slopes of rocks and snow, driving the gods to higher and higher mountains until now only the last remains. When they left their older peaks, they took with them all signs of themselves, save one, it is said, when they left a carven image on the face of the mountain, which they called Negranek. But now they have betaken themselves to unknown Kadath, in the cold waste, where no man treads, and have grown stern, having no higher peak where to flee at the coming of men. They are grown stern, and when once they suffered men to displace them, they now forbid men to come, or coming, to depart. It is well for men that they know not of Kadath in the cold waste, else they would seek to scale it. Sometimes, when Earth's gods are homesick, they visit in the still night the peaks where once they dwelt, and weep softly as they try to play in the olden way on remembered slopes. Men have felt the tears of the gods on white-capped Therai, though they have thought it rain, and have heard the sighs of the gods in the plaintive dawn winds of Lorion. In cloud ships the gods are wont to travel, and wise cotters have legends that keep them from certain high peaks at night when it is cloudy. For the gods are not lenient as of old. In Ulthar, which lies beyond the river sky, once dwelt an old man avid to behold the gods of earth, a man deeply learned in the seven cryptical books of Hassan, and familiar with the panoptic manuscripts of distant and frozen Lamar. His name was Barzai the Wise, and the villagers tell of how he went up a mountain on the night of the strange eclipse. Barzai knew so much of the gods that he could tell of their comings and goings, and guessed so many of their secrets that he was deemed half a god himself. It was he who wisely advised the Burgesses of Ulthar when they passed the remarkable law against the slaying of cats, 
and who first told the young priest at all where it is that black cats go at midnight on St. John's Eve. Barzai was learned in the lore of earth's gods and had gained a desire to look upon their faces. He believed that his great secret knowledge of gods could shield him from their wrath. So he resolved to go up the summit of high and rocky Claw on a night when he knew the gods would be there. Claw is far in the stony desert beyond Halthag, for which it is named, and rises like the rock statue in a silent temple. Around its peak, the mists play almost mournfully, for mists are the memories of the gods, and the gods loved Hathag Claw when they dwelt upon it in the old days. The gods of earth often visit Hathag Claw in their ships of cloud, casting pale vapors over the slopes as they dance on the summit under a clear moon. The villagers of Hothag say it is ill to climb Hothag Claw at any time, and deadly to climb it by night, when pale vapors hide the summit and the moon. But Barzai heeded them not when he came from neighboring Ulthar with a young priest Atal, who was his disciple. Atal was the only son of an innkeeper and was sometimes afraid. But Barzai's father had been a landgrave who dwelt in an ancient castle, so he had no common superstition in his blood and only laughed at the fearful cotters. Barzai and Atal went out of Hatheg into the stony desert despite the prayers of peasants and talked of earth's gods by their campfires at night. Many days they traveled and from afar saw lofty Hatheg Claw with his aureole of mournful mist. On the thirteenth day they reached the mountain's lonely base, and Atal spoke of his fears. But Barzai was old and learned and had no fears, so led the way boldly up the slope that no man had scaled since the time of Sansu, who was written on with fright in the moldy, panoptic manuscripts. The way was rocky and made perilous by chasms, cliffs, and falling stones. Later it grew cold and snowy, and Barzai and Tal often slipped and fell as they hewed and plodded upward with staves and axes. Finally the air grew thin, and the sky changed color and the climbers found it hard to breathe. But still, they toiled up and up, marveling at the strangeness of the scene, 
and thrilling at the thought of what would happen at the summit when the moon was out and the pale vapor spread around. For three days, they climbed higher, higher, and higher toward the roof of the world. Then they camped to wait for the clouding of the moon. Four nights and no clouds came, and the moon shone down cold through the thin mournful mists around the silent pinnacle. Then on the fifth night, which was the night of the full moon, Barzai saw some dense clouds far to the north and stayed up with a tall to watch them draw near. Thick and majestic, they sailed, slowly and deliberately onward, ranging themselves round the peak high above the watchers and hiding the moon and summit from view. For a long hour, the watchers gazed whilst the vapors swirled and the screen of clouds grew thicker and more restless. For as I was wise in the lore of earth's gods and listened hard for certain sounds, but at all felt the chill of the vapors and the awe of the night and feared much. And when Barzai began to climb higher and beckon eagerly, it was long before Atal would follow. So thick were the vapors that the way was hard, and though Atal followed on at last, he could scarce see the gray shape of Barzai on the dim slope above the clouded moonlight. Barzai forged far ahead and seemed, despite his age, to climb more easily than at all, fearing not the steepness that began to grow too great for any save a strong and dauntless man, nor pausing at wide chasms that at all scarce could leap. And so they went up wildly over rocks and gulfs slipping and stumbling, and sometimes awed at the vastness and horrible silence of bleak ice pinnacles and mute granite steps. Very suddenly, Barzai went out to the tall site, scaling a hideous cliff that seemed to bulge outward and block the path for any climber not inspired of earth's gods. Atal was far below, and planning what he should do when he reached the place, when curiously, he noticed that the light had grown strong, as if the cloudless peak and moonlit meeting place of the gods were very near. And as he scrambled on toward the bulging cliff and lit in sky. He felt fears more shocking than any he had known before. Then through the high mists, he heard the voice of unseen Barzai shouting wildly in delight. 
heard the gods. I have heard the gods singing in revelry on Hothag Claw. The voices of Earth's gods are known to Barzai, the prophet. The mists are thin, and the moon is bright, and I shall see the gods dancing wildly on Hothag Claw that they loved in youth. The wisdom of Barzai hath made him greater than the earth's gods, and against his will their spells and barriers are as naught. Barzai will behold the gods, the proud gods, the secret gods, the gods of earth who spurn the sight of men. Adal could not hear the voices Barzai heard, but he was now close to the bulging cliff and scanning it for footholds. Then he heard Barzai's voice grow shriller and louder. The mists are very thin, and the moon casts shadow on the slope. The voices of Earth's gods are high and wild and they fear the coming of Barzai the wise, who is greater than they. The moon's light flickers as earth's gods dance against it. I shall see the dancing forms of the gods that leap and howl in the moonlight. The light is dimmer, and the gods are afraid. While Sparzai was shouting these things, Adal felt a spectral change in the air, as if the laws of earth were bowing to greater laws. For though the way was steeper than ever, the upward path was now grown fearsomely easy, and the bulging cliff proved scarce an obstacle when he reached it, then slid perilously up its convex face. The light of the moon had strangely failed, and as Atal plunged upward through the mists, he heard Barzai the wise shrieking in the shadows. The moon is dark, and the gods dance in the night. There is terror in the sky, for upon the moon hath sunk an eclipse foretold in no books of men or of earth's gods. There is an unknown magic on Hathegla, for the screams of the frightened gods have turned to laughter, and the slopes of ice shoot up endlessly into the black heavens, whither I am plunging. Hey, hey, at last, in the dim light I behold the gods of earth. And now a tall, slipping dizzily up over inconceivable steps, heard in the dark a loathsome laughing, mixed with such a cry as no man else ever heard, save in the unrelatable nightmares of the Phlegion, the cry wherein reverberated the horror and anguish of a haunted lifetime of pact. One atrocious moment. The other gods. The other Gods, the gods of the outer hells that guard the feeble gods of earth, look away, go back, 
Do not see, do not see the vengeance of the infinite abysses that cursed the damnable pit. Merciful gods of earth, I am falling into the sky. And as Atal shut his eyes and stopped his ears and tried to jump downward against the frightful pole from unknown heights, there resounded on Hothang Claw that terrible peal of thunder which awakened the good cotters of the plains and the honest burgesses of Hothang and Nier and Ulthar and caused them to behold through the clouds that strange eclipse of a moon that no book ever predicted. And when the moon came out at last, Atoll was safe on the lower snows of the mountain, without sight of Earth's gods or of the other gods. Now it is told in the moldy, panoptic manuscripts that Sansu found naught but wordless ice and rock when he climbed Athangla in the youth of the world. Yet when the men of Ulthar and Nier and Hothag crushed their fears and scaled that haunted step by day in search of Barzai the wise, they found graven in the naked stone of the summit a curious and cyclopean symbol fifty cubits wide as if the rock had been riven by some titanic chisel, and the symbol was like to one that learned men have discerned in those frightful parts of the panoptic manuscripts, which are too ancient to be read. This they found. Barzai the wise they never found, nor could the holy priest at all ever be persuaded to pray for his soul's repose. Moreover, to this day the people of Ulthar and Nier and Hothag fear eclipses and pray by night when pale vapors hide the mountain top and the moon. And above the mists on Hothag Claw, Earth's gods sometimes dance reminiscently, for they know they are safe and love to come from unknown Kadath in ships of cloud, and play in the olden way, as they did when earth was new, and men were not given to the climbing of inaccessible places. And this, my darling, ends our story time of the other gods. As always, I hope you have very sweet and creepy dreams.